0: Hey there, welcome to the Kitchen Sink Podcast. I'm Camille, and this is the podcast for women that wanna create a dream kitchen without stress and costing a fortune. If you like no fluff, tell it like it is, remodeling advice from a cabinet maker with over 30 years' experience, then you are in the right place. I am so glad you're here, let's dive in. Good morning, everybody. And thanks for joining me for another episode. This is going to be a super fun week. This is countertop week. And so I'm going to be talking kind of like countertop countertop expose. Pretty much everything and anything that you can think of that I can think of to jam pack into the next week of everything I know about countertops. So um, I'm going to kind of, in this episode, I'm going to give you a rough overview of all the things I'm going to be talking about in the upcoming episodes this whole week. There's going to be a, a combination of five core episodes and then two bonus episodes. So there's going to be a lot of information coming at you, and I'm really hoping that it's going to be helpful. So maybe you're right in the middle of thinking about doing a countertop, um, an upgrade, or maybe you're at that part of the planning process where you're trying to figure out the materials. Maybe you're just about to start looking at slabs. You could be, maybe you're just planning a job for months from now. You could be in any of those situations. I think this is going to be a very helpful series of episodes. And um, so some of you might be thinking, well, why is a countertop even that that important, right? I mean, obviously it's from a design standpoint, it's really beautiful. It's like I mean, it's almost outside of cabinetry. It's like my favorite part of my kitchen, to be honest. It's, you know, it's the thing you're touching every day. You're You're cu- you're cooking on it, you're cutting on it, you're cleaning it. Um, it's a huge amount of square footage. So color-wise, style-wise, it affects so much about what you see in the kitchen. So for me, like there's that design part, but then there's just the actual true functionality of why it's so important. And then the third element is just like, cost, right? The reality is that countertops can be expensive. So you really want to know what you're getting and really try to get the biggest bang for your buck, right? I will tell you that prices have gone up again, like everything else in the entire world, uh, post pandemic and everything inside of counter, uh, everything inside of the construction industry has as well. So I'm kind of like a little bit hesitant because I, I, you know, it's just unfortunate that the cost of everything is so expensive now. Um, but that's still the reality. Like if you're going to do a remodel, you have to sort of face the reality of what these numbers are. So I really wish these numbers were lower. I wish they were like they were three years ago. Um, but the reality is this is what we're dealing with. And I do not think they're going back down. I know everybody's sort of waiting on their remodels thinking the prices are going to go back down, but, um, All the conversations with every single vendor that I've ever had, pretty much, that's not going to happen. And so, this is the new normal, right? So, we just have to plan for it and budget for it. So, what we're going to talk about, okay, it's going to be super fun. Uh, I hope you're ready. I hope you're buckled in because I'm about to unleash everything I know over the last 30 years about countertops, which I absolutely love. Uh, countertops was actually, I learned countertops before cabinetry. And not everybody really, you know, knows that about me, but I actually have been doing countertops longer than cabinets. And it was the first thing that I really fell in love with in the union, in the in the carpenters union. And it was due to this one boss that I had that really took a shine to me. He really mentored me. He really helped me a lot. And um, so I'm going to tell a little bit of that story of how I, I basically fell in love with countertop fabrication and my background in countertops, which is, you know, which is unique. It's, it's not what a, there's not a lot of female fabricators and female women that are doing this work. Um, and so I'm going to give you my background so that you, you really have a, 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 you really see that my perspective is unique because I think I have insider information that most cabinet makers and kitchen designers do not have, okay? So there's that. I'm going to give you my background today, and then I'm going to kind of do a rough overview of what we're going to cover. So to kick it off, we're going to do the background today. That's episode one. Uh, tomorrow, we're gonna to, I'm going to go through all the types, right? That'll be episode number two related to this special series. Uh, all the types of countertop materials. Now, I'm not going to include, I'll talk briefly about like butcher block and c- concrete, Um, uh, what would be another one? Like sort of these specialty countertops, I'm going to briefly cover them, but mostly I'm going to be talking about stone types of countertops, right? The realistic types of countertops, granite, engineered stone, marble, porcelain, onyx, uh, specialty versions of quartz, uh, quartzite. And corian, so there's like seven to eight types of materials in there, but they're still roughly around stones outside of corian, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna cover the types of them and how they relate to each other, right? What you might run across when you're out in the market, right? When you're trying to assess what's happening, and I know for myself with it, from experience with my clients that there's a lot of confusion between just the types of countertops, so just understanding the difference between engineered stone and quartz. Is there a difference, right? The difference between quartz and porcelain, just that so that when you're out shopping, you can kind of decipher based on the words that you're seeing, right? The types, you can start to understand and refer back to these episodes like, okay, that's what Camille was talking about. So I'm going to go over the types, which I think will be very, very helpful. And then in the third episode of this series, I'm going to explain in depth a few things. So uh, buckle your seats because it's going to be a lot of stuff. And, you know, don't be surprised if you have to kind of like listen to it and then re-listen to it a couple of times because I'm going to cover a lot of stuff in that third episode. So specifically, I'm going to talk about um, the edges, like lamination, what's the difference between non-laminated and laminated, And what is lamination, right? That's the actual edge. How do we make the edge? What's important about the edge? I'm going to talk about field seams. Field seams are where you join two pieces together, and it's like the most critical part of a countertop. So what to look for, how to know if the person's doing their job well, um, and specifically how to look before you hire somebody. So field seams, I'm going to talk about matching slabs, right? Um, uh, So that you have a lot of symmetry and color matching. I'm going to talk about uh, mismatching patterns and how to make sure that the person knows how to match the pattern. If you end up with a pattern inside the slab, I'm going to talk about, you know, different types of edges, bullnose, miter, OG, uh, all different kinds of edges and what they look like, what the shape is and why you might use them in different, uh, different locations. I'm going to talk about backsplash. I'm going to talk about the difference in sizes, difference in thickness between 2CM and 3CM. I'm going to talk about sink cutouts, cooktop cutouts, island sizes, um, just a whole bunch of thing is going to be inside of ep- episode three. So a lot is going to be inside of that. Uh, then I'm going to talk about how to calculate the cost of a countertop. So I'm going to run you through a few scenarios so that you can actually calculate yourself uh, ahead of time. I never want someone to actually rely 100% on the uh, fabricator or installer. I always want, I'm all about empowerment, right? For you ladies, I want you to really know how to, um, you know, gauge whether or not something is accurate or not. Okay. So that's, um, in the, the next episode and then the final episode, I'm going to talk about how to find a good fabricator and an installer. And what are the differences between those two things so that you really understand like the process of hiring somebody for countertops, what to look for, um, little like things that you should know ahead of time that should tell you if the person is, is adequately prepared for the size and scale of your job. There's a lot of things you can do up front. And so I'm going to share some of those like little tips, insider tips, so that you know, you're hiring the right person for the job. Okay. Okay. Then the two bonus episodes, Oh my God, I'm so excited about these two bonus episodes. So the first bonus episode is all about marble. So I'm going to briefly talk about marble in episode two, the types of materials, but I'm going to really, really expand on marble inside of its own episode. And that is because it's pretty much the number one question that I get, which is, can I install marble in my kitchen? What is the benefits of marble? What are the downsides of marble? There's a bunch of information out there on the internet, on YouTube, And I'm going to condense it down so that you really understand what's really at stake when you're using marble. And one of the biggest things I'm going to bust the myth is, is that it's expensive. Marble is actually the least expensive material um, that we use for stone, believe it or not. If you know what you're looking for, you can get it incredibly cheap, but it has real downsides. So I'm going to talk about that. And I'm going to talk about why you might perceive it as being very expensive because it's positioned that way in the market with kitchen designers. So, um, you know, yes, you can pay astronomical amounts for it, but you can also find it if you know what you're looking for. So that's marble. And then the second bonus, it'll be the seventh episode is going to be all about repairs, right? All about the types of things that can go wrong and, um, the types of repairs that are the most common so that you really understand what's at stake when you are buying material, right? And so this leads me directly into my background. Like why would I make repairs um, its own bonus m- episode? That is because of my background, which is very unique. So um I'm going to start my story off with um you know, very much younger Camille, very tiny Camille. I was very small. Um it was probably 115 pounds, <laughs> and uh, you know I looked very, very young for my age. I've always looked really young, and I hated it when I was younger because people never ever took me seriously, and I truly, truly had to try so hard to be taken seriously. And just physically, I did not look like I could do the work. And then you you throw onto that the fact that my face looked like a baby face. And, you know, I can understand why people were leery of hiring me, right? It just, I didn't look at all like the type of sort of tall, big, strong, um, you know, quote unquote, experienced man that was going to do the job, right? It looked like the opposite of that. So I get it. I get why people, you know, were, had a hard time hiring me in the beginning. And that also related to working in the union and getting hired in the union, because of course they look at, they look at you as the first way that they decide if they want you to work on their job site. So I was lucky enough to, um, in the union, get assigned to a company who did a lot of upscale hotels in San Francisco. It was one of the first things that I did and they, um, um, I can still remember the name, Dundee Construction, and the owner of the company was a real craftsman. I mean, he, we did cabinetry and countertops, and he was a real craftsman. He was a real stickler for doing things correctly. He took his time. He didn't rush things, and he was a fantastic teacher. And he, he took me under his wing. He saw that I was you know really, really excited about it and wanted to learn. And so he was the first person to really expose me to countertops and how they get made, how they get installed. So, I spent a lot of time with him learning um you know the basics of it, how to install it. So we started with installation. so I learned how to be a really great installer. So someone else would make the countertops for us, they would show up on the job site, and then it was our job to kind of like make it work, right? So, if they didn't fabricate them quite well uh, well enough, we had to somehow make it look great if they were Uh, If there was too much material and they hadn't done their template well, and the countertops were actually too big for the space, we had to learn how to trim and adjust to make it fit. Like there was all these things that we learned how to do. So that started like my understanding of, wow, there's like a lot of things you can do to fix something in the field, right? A so-called repair. So I actually learned doing repairs first. I saw when someone didn't do a job well, I saw how my boss fix that. And I was like, amazed, right? I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe that just happened. And now there's this beautiful countertop installed. So that was sort of my first like fall in love moment of like seeing what you can do in an hour to fix something. And so my, my experience just kept progressing from there. He showed me all his tips and tricks of things that you can do in the field to fix someone else's mistake that was done in the shop and we started with Corian. So one of the materials I'm going to go over tomorrow is Corian, which is a very high-end, high-end pressure, um, high-end, incredibly dense plastic. So it's a polyester. It's not a, a stone, but it is used a lot in hotels, restaurants, um, commercial applications, hospitals, um, dentist offices, like it's used everywhere. Okay. So Corian is a plastic, but it can be done in all kinds of colors and patterns and shapes. And it's, it's unique quality is that going to be basically blended together and glued together and then sanded so that you cannot see the seam. So I literally learned right out of the gate, learning how to do perfect field seams. That was like, I didn't know it then, but that was actually like the, one of the hardest things to do is to do field seams. And he started me, my boss started me learning how to do perfect field seams that were absolutely invisible to the eye. And so that was my first indication of like really high quality, right? I started literally at the top and I learned over the years that very few people actually know how to do it at that level. I did not know at a time at that time, what a gift that was, but um, so I learned doing field seams right out of the gate. And then we also did a lot of repairs because he did um, hotels and restaurants and hospitals and, you know, a lot of commercial work. There was a lot of damage that was done, right, by customers. So we would go in and do a repair and make it look literally perfect. And so I learned a lot about all the different types of brands by how they responded to how we did repairs, whether or not we could actually do a repair that looked absolutely perfect like you could not tell there was a chip or a crack there so i learned the standard of the fact that you know different brands respond differently and not of them not all of them are literally the same and so some brands were really easy to work with the repairs were really easy to do some brands were almost impossible we did the best we could but you could still kind of tell that we did a repair so that was also like a good indicator for me of like oh wow there's a big range in products And, um, so I started kind of keeping track of that. So I did that for quite a few years and I learned pretty much everything I could learn from an installation standpoint. And this coincided with me leaving the union, starting my own company. But the big piece of that puzzle was that I didn't actually know the fabrication. I knew a lot about it sort of in the field, but I never actually taken a slab from scratch, like a huge, huge slab, right? Seven feet tall, nine feet long, and actually figured out how to make that into a finished countertop. Okay. So there was a big missing piece that I wanted to know. So the last, like, step that I did before I started my own company was to become a certified fabricator. And that was like one of the most important things that I ever did for my own company because it gave me such an edge on on everything to do with kitchen remodeling, to be honest, because there's a real, um, you know, there's kind of like a good old boys club when it comes to countertops. There are so few women that do fabrication, um, and countertop work that it's obviously a very critical part of the kitchen remodeling process, right? Even if you install cabinetry, if you don't know how to put, how to build and make and install the countertops, which then leads to hooking up the sink, And the water and putting all your appliances in, you are absolutely dependent on another company to do that. And because so many things can go wrong with a countertop, a lot is up for like you may do a beautiful job on your cabinetry, but if you hire a vendor and they don't do a good job on your counters, you've kind of messed up the entire job, right? There's like no going back from that. So I knew, I recognized that it was a really important step for me personally, that if I really wanted to control everything about that kitchen remodel, the most important thing I could learn next was, um, countertop fabrication. So I walked into a local company. I'm still, I believe the only female fabricator they've ever had there. It was a huge fabrication company here in California and it was a hundred percent men there and, and actually almost 80% Hispanic men and maybe 20% men, white men. So it was very much a cultural difference to walk in there. And again, I was really small and I looked really young, so I did not fit the type. And so I walked in there one day and I just kind of bluffed my way into a job. I did know a lot about countertops because of all the work I'd done in the union. So, you know, I knew the lingo. I knew the terminology. I definitely knew what I was doing as an installer. And I bluffed my way into a trial period to work as an installer on one of their trucks. So I did that and I was able to really, you know, prove that I could do the work and it was, you know, really, really physical. We did an install almost every single day. So five days a week, we were installing a new kitchen. Um, I eventually, you know, worked, we were the vendor for Lowe's. So we installed Lowe's jobs too. So I saw a huge range of countertops gone, gone well, countertops gone poorly. Um, great job setup, horrible job setup, good choice of material, bad choice of material, rushed versus taking your time. Um, I also got to see hundreds of other installers and how they did their work, and there was a huge range of really poor, crappy jobs to really well done. So I I got a ton of experience in a very short amount of time, and eventually I convinced them to run my own crew. So then then I moved up to what they call basically like piecemeal. So you only get paid, you not get paid per hour. You only get paid by every job that you install, which means you have to be incredibly efficient and good at your job. You can have minimal returns. Uh, You never go back to the job you did before. It's literally a one day install. And so you're spending half of your time fabricating. So you're kind of like a little business within a bigger business. You get sent a job, you go out to the job, you template the job, which I'm going to talk about what a template is. It's where we basically figure out the shape of the new countertop. You meet with the customer and you get all the details and then you go back to the shop and you, your material's already there. You get your material on your table and you start cutting it up. You start fabricating it. And um, so you're controlling the whole fabrication process, which is a very much a hand jo- a hand um, work job. There's a lot of, we use some tools, but it's very, very much labor intensive. So you're fabricating and then you're also installing. So that's it's a real like pressure cooker of can you fabricate, you know, for 2 hours in the morning and then load your truck with a different job and then go out and install that job that day. All in the same day, right? And so it is incredibly physical and tough, but if you can do it well, you make a lot of money because you get paid for every job you finish and you get an incredible amount of experience because you're literally in control of the whole process. So that's what I did. And so I did that as well. I ran my own crew, I installed my own jobs. And so I was a lead fabricator installer. And that truly gave me the like last piece that I needed before I started my own company. So because I did that, that way I had access to again, a lot of repair work, right? I became really good at doing repairs for other installers. So when they couldn't figure something out, um, I would go and be the person that would repair their job, whether that was a cracked field seam or a chip on an edge or something was mismatched or they didn't install the backsplash correctly or or something, right? So I, I again, the repairs are such an important part because it lets you see how materials actually react, not what a kitchen designer is going to tell you like, oh yeah, this porcelain is gorgeous and it's this color and this pattern, it's going to look great. I don't, I don't know it from that standpoint. Of course, I can design the color, but I know, I know it from the standpoint of I know how porcelain is made in the shop. I know how long it actually takes to fabricate a certain size countertop. I know whether that person's being overcharged or not. I know whether those field seams were glued correctly. I know whether there's going to be chips in the future based on how the customer is going to use their material. I know if you don't tell customers certain things, they're going to inherently damage their own countertop without knowing any better, right? So I know it literally from the ground up. So it gives me a very unique perspective. It's not um, just what looks better, right? So I'm hoping that this is going to help you guys see that my perspective um, is a deeper look at countertops. And and obviously, I'm always very straightforward with you guys. So I'm going to tell you what I think about each of them and, um, I'll tell you right now, there is no such thing as a perfect countertop material. Uh, that's one of the biggest misnomers outside of the fact that everybody thinks grit and marble is really expensive. Uh, there is no perfect countertop material. Every single countertop material can be damaged. There is just ranges of things and understanding inherently what each material is better for. And then learning as a customer, I'm going to tell you the best ways to never damage your countertop, like what to look out for. And just like if you bought a brand new gorgeous you know hundred thousand dollar lexus right you're not going to just assume that that lexus is somehow impervious to damage like that it's somehow stronger than a than a pinto a pinto is an old car if nobody knows what that is, like an old pinto just a cheap thousand dollar car right just because you paid more for the lexus does not mean that you cannot dent or scratch the surface so You know, some, I know that people think that countertops are literally impervious, that they could just find the most perfect, strongest, hardest one. And I'm going to give you some statistics on how to know like the differences between them. And, and there is some, definitely some ranges in density for sure. But I will also tell you that if you take a cast iron pan to any countertop material, I don't care what stone it is, you can chip that. Okay. So you need to still understand the, the, um, limitations of a countertop. Um, all right. So that is my background. So I, you know, basically became a lead fabricator there and ran my own crew. And I did that up until I decided that I wanted to start my own kitchen remodeling business. And when I started my own company, I kind of had that little tiny last piece, which is I was now able to purchase, uh, slabs raw myself. So I was able to purchase them at a wholesale discount. And then I was really able to control the stone coming into my shop. I could really see the differences in price. I could see what was marked up. I could see that was, um, you know, I could see where customers were really being taken advantage of. And um, if you think that doesn't happen in the industry, it absolutely does. So I'm going to talk a lot about the range of pricing and how the industry kind of works. And um, so that's my background. Obviously, I went on and for, you know, Over two decades, did thousands and thousands of countertops in my own company, bought the stone raw, um, played with lots of different brands, um, fabricated a lot of different kinds of things from, you know, kitchens to showers, to things where the materials glued to the ceiling, um, large kitchens, small kitchens, huge islands, little islands, um, materials that matched and looked like a butterfly wing, like real true book matching, Um, it really exotic stones, basic stones, uh, a range of materials, right? I have worked with myself fabricating from ground up and installing. So I truly know, and even doing my own repairs when a customer did not listen to me and still damaged their countertop, right? I still did my own repairs. So I really know it from the inside out and I'm hoping that's going to help you guys a lot. It might be a little bit too much information, but just remember you can always come back and just you know, refer to some of these different episodes when you need it. And um, just for a little bit of frame of reference, we do still sell slabs around the country. So you can purchase slabs wholesale through us. We no longer fabricate, obviously, because we're not near you, but you can get your slabs through us and we can get them sent to a fabricator in your area. We can also help you filter and find a fabricator in your area that we think kind of meets the requirements that we we feel makes a good fabricator and installer. So that's another reason why I'm talking about countertops because we have a lot of people buy them through us inside of our, uh, kitchen model rockstar program. Um, okay. I think that's good enough for, uh, you know, for this episode. So tomorrow's episode, I'm going to dive deep into the different types of stone and the ranges within them. I'm also going to talk about like the density number. So you actually know which is, which is technically harder than the other and I'm going to talk a little bit about things being porous or non-porous, whether you need to seal them or not seal them, heat resistant or not heat resistant, chip or scratch resistant or not, um, sinks and cooktops, like attaching sinks, undermounted and cooktops, cutting out the holes for them. What else? Um, those all relate to the different types because I use sometimes different materials depending on what you're doing for your sink. All right, guys. So thanks so much for listening. And I will see you uh, tomorrow for the next episode in Countertop Week. Great kitchen design and incredible functionality should not cost an arm and a leg. That's why I created Kitchen Remodel Rockstar, a membership group exclusive for women. It's affordable, honest, and direct. For just $97 a month, We help you explore all those choices running around in your head, like how big is a granite slab and which color should I pick? Is porcelain better than stainless steel and what will it cost? Should I buy a farmhouse sink in single or double bowl? Or maybe what type of cabinets should I buy? Should I buy custom? Should I do a reface? I'm really lost, right? And finally, how do I even figure out the ideal cabinet layout? Well, that and so much more is what we cover inside of KRR. It's like kitchen therapy because let's face it, planning a kitchen remodel is stressful. So many decisions to make. It's hard to know who to trust, and that's where I come in. Look, my program has helped over 10,000 women across the country create their own kitchen system that blends high-end functionality with gorgeous design without overdrafting your checking account. So jump on in today and let's see how we can help you get your dream kitchen for less stress and money, just like Jessica quote, I can't believe how much I learned already. This was worth the cost and it's been two days. I am so excited to start exploring countertop options now. My anxiety is completely gone. Thank you. Thank you for this group. So, Hey, I really want to add your story one day and I hope you join because this is a safe and affordable place for women just like you to explore what they want to create in their dream kitchen and get straightforward answers in real time. Just think, for $97, there's no more waiting or wondering if you're making the right decision. Now you will feel confident in every single choice and know that you have created the best dream kitchen you can for you. I hope to see you inside the club today. Go over to krr.com to sign up. That's kitchenremodelrockstar.com today.